When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, welcome to the Whisper Network. Today, I have Amy Jo Perry and Michelle Badillo, two writers who are super awesome. Say hi, ladies. Hey. Hey. Hi. Hi. I want to read their bios because they're both amazing. So Amy Jo Perry has spent the last two years working nonstop, a diverse writer hailing from North Carolina, the youngest of four. Amy grew up in a planned mobile home community. Okay, it was a trailer park. <laughs> I'm reading her bio. <laughs> Amy Jo. Currently, Amy Jo is staffed on The Bold Type. She was staffed on Disney XD and Disney Channel's Mac X4. A graduate of the ABC Diversity Program, Amy Jo received her first staffing opportunity on Uncle Buck for ABC slash UTV and Will Packer and subsequently went on to freelance for Disney Channel's Casey Undercover. Amy Jo got her start in television and animation as an assistant on shows like Futurama and King of the Hill. She does not have a husband or any kids and all of her houseplants are dead. Yes. (laughs) Caveat, that is from my agent. So I am not a diverse writer. I am a black person, (laughs) just to clarify. Okay. Michelle Badillo is a gay Latinx television writer from Queens. She has written for Freeform's The Bold Type and Netflix's One Day at a Time, where she is currently an executive story editor. I just like that it has executive in the title. (laughs) You're important. When you earn your titles, you should have them. You should feel free to say them. So let's get started with the questions. Both of your things mentioned where you grew up, but I'm interested in when you were growing up, did you know that your job as writers for TV was a job that you could have? I guess it never really occurred to me. I never really thought about it. I always wanted to be a writer. I thought I wanted to be a journalist. Um, So yeah, I don't think I really realized that TV writing was a job until college. And then once I found that out, it was a wrap. That was what I wanted to do. I I remember specific, I ne- I don't I mean I must have known somewhere that there were TV writers or like I must have if I had thought about it for three seconds I would have gotten there <laughs> but it wasn't until the writer strike in 2008 mm-hmm. when I was in high school and I saw like news footage of that and I was like those people are that's what I want to do like that's the party I want to be at I like that writers not writing is what made you be like yeah. I'm gonna do that I was like the writers right now bitching and walking around and like having coffee and yelling like that's where I, that feels right mm-hmm, for me. Mm-hmm. so what did you think at the time was the route to that job? Because I know for me, I one, it was very far down the line when I realized I wanted to be a TV writer. But I also was like, I don't know how people get those jobs. Mm-hmm. You know, like, what did you think was the route to doing that? I think so. I went to Carolina and Carolina has a really good um, like sort of internship program, which mm-hmm. channels people into like Hollywood, L.A. jobs. So pretty Pretty early on, once I I realized I wanted to be a TV writer, I sort of got linked into the L.A. Hollywood community and they sort of laid it out for me. So I was oh, nice. very, very lucky in that, like, my school sort of was like, OK, this is what you do. You, you go be a PA, then you could try to be an assistant, then you try to be a writer's assistant. Like, they were very good at sort of laying out 
at least one path because obviously mm-hmm. there are lots of paths. Yeah. So I went to Loyola Marymount mm-hmm. in the screenwriting program. And even there, they didn't do a very good job. They've since improved, but mm-hmm. they didn't really do an amazing job of. Well, the thing is, there are really no there's so many different paths. Mm-hmm. Getting in. Mm-hmm. And I just had like special child syndrome where I was like, it'll just happen for me. <laughs> I don't know how it'll happen, but it'll just happen. And it just it really just doesn't like work like that. Yeah. Um, and then I remembered hearing like, OK, so first you're a writer's PA and then you're the writer's assistant and then you like get, get bumped up to staff writer. And I was like, OK, so I think that that's the way in or there's like the agency track. So mm-hmm. I was like, well, as soon as I'm done with school, I'll put out a bunch of resumes and I'll get a job as an assistant somewhere and mm-hmm. then I'll work my way up. And then I never got a job as an assistant. <laughs> <laughs> but that's great. Like, so your first job was was one day at a time. Yes, but that that was lucky and amazing. But yeah. I like I was stuck in that place for a while of the catch twenty two that a lot of us go through, where you need to be an assistant. You either need to know somebody or you need to have a certain amount of experience. Mm-hmm. But you can't get that experience unless you can get the job. Mm-hmm. Right. So I was applying to all these entry level positions that I somehow wasn't experienced enough for. So I was in that frustrating place for a while of just like I don't have a job and I don't know how to get one. Right. And mm-hmm. I feel like I want to die. <laughs> Well, I'm curious as to like what you feel the differences are, because Amy Jo, you're a solo writer, but Michelle, yeah. you're a part of a writing team. And for you, what do you feel like? And, and this could be fun because Michelle <laughs> can say what she feels the difference is and then you can say whether or not you agree. <laughs> It'll be great. So, yeah. Explain to us who your writing partner is. And we're sad she couldn't be here, but Aww. you're representing the team. Oh, Caroline <laughs> Levitch. That's my writing partner. She is um, she's the best. She is a gorgeous, blonde, sunny sorority girl (laughs) with a lot more brains and heart than you would think. (laughs) Um, No, she's she's the best. I think the biggest difference once you have the job is that it's a lot easier to have a writing partner in Mm -hmm. some ways because Mm -hmm. you have somebody. I think the worst thing as a writer is when you're writing something and you're like, this fucking sucks. Mm -hmm. (laughs) This sucks. I'm a terrible writer. I shouldn't have this job. And I know that even if I feel that way, immediately Caroline looks at it and is like, you're not crazy. This is fine. Mm-hmm. Or like, let's work on this thing. So it's just like having a mini room all the time mm-hmm. yeah, to bounce ideas off of. Yeah. Do you feel like are there times where you're like, man, I wish there was another person here? I mean, there's times when I, I guess an example would be I'm currently co-writing an episode yeah. of The Bull Type mm-hmm. with the awesome Celine Geiger, who is not my writing partner, mm-hmm. but it has been interesting. It's the first time I've Obviously, I've been in lots of rooms, which is a very collaborative experience, Mm. but I've never written a script with someone. So it is sort of a good way to see how it is easier just like to to have someone that A, can do half the work, but also (laughs) can sort of give you that feedback. But I also I for me personally, I miss and I, I like being like, but it's like. I get the last word on my script. Yeah, that's like, true. At least and my you don't pile get half scripts. a paycheck. And that's true. <laughs> I get a whole ass paycheck. Yeah, <laughs> so just for people who don't know, when you're on a writing team, the amount of money you're getting is the same as if you were a solo writer. So you're splitting you're splitting a paycheck. So um, that is something to think about if you're thinking about being a writer te- mm-hmm. writing team or um, being solo. And um, I, I do write solo, but I am writing a comedy feature with someone. And mm-hmm. I will say that, especially I think for comedy, it's so nice to like bounce a joke off of someone because yeah. you're like, I might think this is funny and in your head it's funny. And then you say it and <laughs> no one not laughs. So that's <laughs> not so much. That's very true. Yeah. I think with comedy, like with comedy, I love to have a partner yeah. because 
it's just like I said a joke and if you laughed, I know it's good. And if you didn't laugh, then next. <laughs> then on yeah. to the next one. Yeah. I will say just having obviously worked with Caroline and Michelle, I think the important thing about a writing partner, says the girl who doesn't have a writing partner, but this is my <laughs> observation, is you and Caroline work so well together and like your energy and like the sort of the way you guys play off of each other. And I think if you are going to go into a writing partnership, it should be with someone who you have that energy with yeah. and like you work well with and like not because it'll be easier to get staffed or right. mm, I'm going to paper team because I don't know, I'm an assistant and I finally really want this thing. Like it, it should come, a partnership should come from an actual desire to work with each other and like you make each other better. Right. Is my opinion. It seriously is. And I don't think I'm understating it. It is seriously like a marriage in mm -hmm. the sense that like you also the longer you work together, the more you have to have you have to be able to have very honest, serious conversations with this person mm -hmm. about where you want your careers to be. If you, you know, maybe Caroline really wants to work on something right now and I'm like feeling really super burnt out mm -hmm. and like you have to be able to say to somebody, I can't do this right now. And mm -hmm. they have to be able to hear you and accept that and if you're not ready to have like serious conversations with somebody and like love them anyway yeah then it's a relationship yes yeah. it's a serious relationship a marriage sounds right like it because you literally are i mean i've seen partnerships break up yeah and it's so hard because all your credits are with this person and you've built your career with this person and what does it mean when you aren't together anymore mm -hmm. and that's something to think about and definitely. a lot of people and this is awful but some people they get to a certain level with a writing partner and then the team breaks up and they get bumped back down to staff writer yes. or story editor and yes. this is after having tons of credits under their belt with yeah somebody. we were having that conversation yes, about what like what that yeah. looks like because i had no idea that if you guys split I, I in my head i was like you just stay at the same level and you were no. like no girl it's you tough. get bumped it's all the way down and it sucks also because you know in a room you know, when you're off on script, you write with with your writing partner. But when you're in a room, you function as we like Caroline and I are two individuals. In right. The room. Right. Mm -hmm. We're not like pitching with one mind. <laughs> and so that it's like in the room, you're pitching as your own person. Mm -hmm. And then to be bumped, it's I, I mean, that it sucks. Yeah. Yeah. That's really that's interesting. So was the job everything you thought it would be when you finally got staffed? Or what were th some things you like realized and you're like, this is a little different than I thought it would be in my head? Huh. You know, because I had been an assistant for seven years before I got staffed, guys. Keep, stay with it, is all I'm saying. <laughs> uh, so I had seen the room and I had mm -hmm. seen sort of how things work in the room. So it, I, I don't think it was a surprise, like sort of the way that things work. Mm -hmm. But it was a surprise how I felt mm -hmm. once I got staffed. I was surprised at how uh, mentally exhausting it, it is to sort of be on all day mm -hmm. and to be like following everything everyone's saying and also thinking of your own ideas and like the sort of like actual work of being a writer in the writer's room and how it's, it's, it's hard. <laughs> it's mental work. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I, I like to think I've gotten less <laughs> exhausted at the end of the day now, but like, I was like, man, just sitting around all day is like, it makes you tired mm -hmm. <laughs> talking yeah. and thinking. Like, that I think is the biggest shock. Yeah. I think that you and even when you're like even when you have the best day at work and you're loving it and you're on it mm -hmm. and you're like, yes, yes, pitch, pitch, joke. Ha ha. I love you. You love me. <laughs> mm -hmm. We're all getting along. And you get in your car and you're like, I had a great day at work. And then you get home and you're like, nobody look at me. Nobody yes. talk to me. I don't yes. have anything else to give you. Yeah. And you just you don't. Yeah. And because you don't you're not always necessarily 
negatively stressed mm-hmm. you don't realize that you are like the high level that you're keeping yourself at all day mm-hmm. and i think that that's like a major thing to learn early on it's yeah like, learn how to bring yourself totally. down yeah. right yeah because i uh, like i haven't i haven't been staffed yet <laughs> prayers to the lord oh it's coming girl. oh yeah. <laughs> but um nikita's gonna be president of hollywood <laughs> in the next five years i believe it um but it was such a kind of shock to me going into that Atlanta writer's room that I was just like, I was like, oh, wait, all day we're going to sit at this table mm-hmm. for most of the day and just shoot out ideas. And then also, I think I was a little spoiled from being in that room because of the way that it it ran. So sometimes we like go outside and like play some ping pong and like shoot ideas. Like I was still typing and like taking notes, but like the writers were making sure that they got to get, like get up and maybe do something like, a little more active. Like we don't have a ping pong table at the bowl no, type. Like not. <laughs> that's not happening. So now I've gotten to experience like three different rooms and just seeing, I don't think in my, in my head, I was like, this must be how all rooms operate. And then you go to a new room and you're like, oh no, no, no. Like yeah. with, depending on who's who's running it, who the people are, each room is very different. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you have, you know, and and I think also it's like the relationships with the people in the room affects how things run, how quickly mm-hmm. stories get broken and things like that. So it's just like, I think almost you have to be your own like psychologist almost yeah. like and like reading people in a way that I didn't, I had to, I had to learn, totally. you know, going, going from my first room to my second room, I was like, oh, I can't believe people when they just say things to me. And it sounds very naive, but for someone to be like, we really want to hear your opinion. And then you say your opinion, you're like, oh, you were lying. Yeah. <laughs> you were lying that's, to me. That's important. Like learning, that that is something that I wasn't really prepared for was like the politics of the room. Yeah. And like sort of reading people like you're saying and like knowing, I don't know, when to speak, when not to speak mm-hmm. and playing playing politics and not necessarily in like a nefarious way right. it sounds evil, but just like knowing the rules of the room quiet. yeah <laughs> there are rules in a room I think it's the same I, 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 people outside I think of the industry have this idea of like oh my gosh they're just going into this room there's gonna be snacks <laughs> figure out an episode and then tv just happens <laughs> but it, it much like you have positions and levels they exist in the room you know, so you you start out as a, like a staff writer and then you get about the story. I like there's there's levels to it. And there there therefore there's like a hierarchy that's there. And it doesn't mean that anyone's opinion is less than someone else's. But there's still these rules to the room that I think a lot of times people don't know about. And one of the reasons why I wanted to do the Whisper Network was because I felt like there were so many jobs, both known and unknown in this industry, that people just did not know what it meant to have that job or that that job even existed. So I'm curious as to what's a job in the industry that you did not know existed before you got into it? I love TV, have always loved TV, watch a ton of TV. And when you see like the names at the beginning of like producer, uh-huh. executive producer, a job I did not know existed was non-writing producer. <laughs> it's crazy. Like you see producer or executive producer and you're like, oh, they're all writers. No, there's I a was lot the of- opposite. I didn't realize producers wrote. Oh, yes, interesting. So I was confused when it was like this person's a producer. And I was like, what are they doing here? If you can find a way to be a non-writing executive producer. Ooh, child. <laughs> Ooh, that is, that's that money right there. I mean, that's, there are some great non-writing producers yeah. that I've worked with who do do a lot of lifting and a lot of like stuff. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot yeah. who are just a manager 
who put their name on something. Yeah, that's true. That's true. You got a big old paycheck. Big old check. Big old check. Uh, what about you, Michelle? Like all the jobs. <laughs> I didn't know how TV worked yeah. at all. I feel like, I mean, I definitely didn't know that, I didn't understand the levels of like, the staff writer, story editor, mm-hmm. executive story editor, co-producer, producer. As soon as I saw producer, I, I didn't realize that that was a writer. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize that there was writing producers and non-writing producers. I didn't understand what a script coordinator was. When I first heard that, and this is like two years ago, when I was like, what, she like puts the brads in the scripts. <laughs> like, what, she's like literally coordinating this. Like, what is she doing? Like, she's what like is that job? She's like script Is that what you're doing? I don't know words. I didn't know the difference between a writer's assistant and a writer's PA. Mm-hmm. I didn't I didn't know anything. And that's okay. That's how it is. Yeah, that's true. You just I think shut your mouth, pretend you do know. The thing I didn't know was like a person's job was script supervisor. Oh, yeah. And oh, yeah. so, and like, and this person's really important, but essentially a script supervisor makes sure people, are, the actors are sticking to the script. Mm-hmm. And in my head, I was like, the director knows everything that's about to be said. Wouldn't they be like, you said that wrong? But I'm like, they don't know. Nope. There's literally a person who stands there with the script and is like, that is not the line. Mm-hmm. Or when actors forget their lines and they're like, line, it's a script supervisor who's yelling to them what their line actually is. And that is that is a job. Fun fact, almost all universally women, because women are better. No, women. <laughs> I've never met a no, male. Yeah, really? Scripty? They're all women yeah. because I think women are just better at paying attention to detail. <laughs> detail? And also, we're just better. Yeah. that's I support it. Thank uh, you. Th- a job that is I didn't know existed, although... I didn't know existed at all, and it only applies to multicam. Is a switcher. Hmm. So when you are, it's such a cool job to me. <laughs> so you know when you are a multicam and you shoot in front of a live audience, the audience they they can watch the stage, but they watch the episode on screens above mm-hmm. the you know audience. And there's a person in a box who like live edits between the cameras, oh. so that when you're in the audience, you're watching it as if it's. An episode on TV, yeah, and that person to me is like a crazy, like high pressure, stressful job where it's like A camera, B camera, C camera, go to this person for a reaction, go back to the wide, and I just think that's like the coolest, weirdest job. I don't even know how you get it. Switcher, cool, yeah, Yeah. because I've worked on uh, multi cams, but (laughs) do you want to explain what the difference is between a single cam and a multi cam? Like, let's act like people don't know the difference. Well, I will let Michelle the. Currently Current multicam. multicam person. Um, a multicam is when you think about corny old sitcoms. That's what a multi- no a multi- <laughs> or amazing new sitcoms yes, like One Day, day at, at a Time. time. <laughs> Hashtag Odat. Um, no, a multicam is uh, usually not always anymore, but usually shot in front of a live studio audience. It is the I Love Lucy four cameras on stage. Mm-hmm. Usually, you know, a standing set. Mm-hmm. You switch between it's called a multicam because it used to be <laughs> yeah. three and now it's four cameras okay. and you switch between them and it all gets done on a sound stage and it's all shot over uh, one live taping. Yes. Mm-hmm. And then a single cam is, you know, you shoot it like a movie where you have like a week mm-hmm. and everything else, everything, everything else. else. You don't have to yeah. be on the sound stage. You can whatever. You're out in the world locations elements yeah but the multicams i worked on were kids multicams and they did not shoot in front of a live studio audience it was like a really weird experience of just us in the studio laughing it was really weird (laughs) but fun the weirdest thing another weird job in hollywood i don't want to take too much time with this but it's one of the weirdest things is um paid laughers 
So we don't we don't do this on one day at a time as a rule. It's just if we have like a, a really secret plot point that we don't want to have a live studio audience for, like we have like an episode where, you know, this is not happening, but let's say somebody were to die. Mm-hmm. We don't want people to know. Then we get an audience of paid laughers to sit through that scene. And these people are trained to laugh at what they at what sounds like a joke, like what has joke <laughs> rhythm. And they have like one person. There's always one person in the group of paid laughers who has like a crazy laugh so that it sounds real. Mm-hmm. So it's like, oh, ha, ha, ha. And then you have one person going like, ah! <laughs> and it's the weirdest. It's the most like unsettling feeling when you hear people laughing, but you know, they're not like laughing, laughing. It's very bizarre. They're paid to do it. That's like I got to do um, a loop group for the bold type to see what, like what it was. And I was like, a loop group. So the post producer is like, because I've been doing all the, I do all the temporary ADR. I love that so the much. the bold type, which means no one ever sees it. Because <laughs> the people who get the cuts. Nikita, I see it and it's amazing. Thank you. Mm-hmm. I feel like I've gotten a little bit better. Over the, <laughs> do the you do different voices? For- um, not different voices, but different kind of style of voice, I guess is the way to put it. I think I have Cat down the best. <laughs> Cat and Sutton. I I have a difficult time with Jane and I can't do Sage for some strange reason. My voice isn't deep enough, I think. Like it just sounds anything Mm. that comes out of her mouth that's funny (laughs) just sounds corny in my voice. Um, But the post producer was like, hey, you should go to Loop Group. And I was like, what is that? So Loop Group is a group of voiceover actors that they're the ones who do all the noise you hear in the backgrounds of scenes. So if, you know... Um, characters are at a coffee shop they're the ones doing all the background noise like in the, the coffee shop mm-hmm. or like the yeah it's like oh I, w- I had to walk my dog today blah, blah. but it's a real conversation mm-hmm. it just makes them so low that you can't hear what's going on but the actual loop group takes place in this huge recording room because they have you moving and walking around oh, and like weird. depending on what the scenes are that is so and cool. it was so cool to like do it and they were like do you want to like do it with us and I was like yes <laughs> absolutely and so we were like doing stuff in like the um you know, the bold type takes place in a magazine. So we had to like talk about fashion things. And I was like, these bracelets did not come in on time. (laughs) (laughs) Did they give you things to say? No, you have to make it up. up. You have to make it up on the fly and like talk about it. And so, yeah, for um, there was a recent episode of the bold type where Jane gets a Mandy award and we had to do conversations. So I was like, I'm writing an article about happiness in different countries. And that was like my (laughs) shtick. What's so interesting about that is you can't actually be too interesting because you can't take away from what's actually happening. So right. it's like the world's most boring improv. <laughs> that it is. is so cool. And it's like super low. Like even if it was interesting, it's so low that you can't really hear it. Huh. But it's just like there needs to be actual conversation like happening in the background. It's like, where have you been? I've been traveling, blah, blah, blah. Like we're having conversation. I had a conversation about like doing yoga in the, co- the coffee shop and then like articles and work calls, like all this stuff that like there are people who they're in their SAG. Who, yeah, they get paid to do like the looping, the loop group for, and that is a job that you would get paid for and you would get SAG minimums for, which is dope. <laughs> yeah, good for them. Good You're for like, them. I went into the wrong right? thing. <laughs> um, so this is the question that, you know, I'm asking everyone, but what is one piece of advice or information you wish you'd known at the beginning of your career um, that you had to figure out on your own? Hmm. I would say if I could talk to uh, me six years ago when I was an assistant or, oh, my God, three or four years ago when I was an assistant. Mm -hmm. Oh, hey, young Amy (laughs) Jo. Focus on your own journey Mm -hmm. and your own like work on making 
yourself better and your scripts better and don't get distracted by where you think you should be mm-hmm. and what you think you should have accomplished by now. And don't get so wrapped up in comparing yourself to other people because you're not other people. Yeah. I am the exact same age as Issa Rae. <laughs> How many times have I heard this? <laughs> I've definitely said that a lot in the bull type room because I'm like, how is she amazing? And I'm just a story editor. I'm, yeah. I, like, I'm not like there, but I'm not Issa Rae. Yeah. I'm Amy Jo Perry. And I'm awesome and fam- fabulous in a different way. And if you get so caught up in what you should be doing, it it doesn't do anything but rob you of your joy. So you just mm-hmm. have to like focus on yourself, be happy for other people and work on what you're doing. Yeah. If I had to give advice to myself, I would say go back in time and meet Amy Jo and never <laughs> give you true. that advice. Um, I think, and this is for when you actually do get the job, and I think this is especially for if you are a woman or a person of color or a gay person or mm-hmm. any kind of other, and you, I think sometimes you feel like that's why you are hired mm-hmm. or maybe there's a character on that show who has that experience yeah. and you are hired to help with that. First of all, just like you are a writer, you're there to write everything, but also it's okay to have limits. I think that's what I still struggle with. And that's what I, that will be something I struggle with for a while. I think is that is knowing when you don't always have to argue or mm-hmm. you, if there's a conversation happening that you want to give your two cents in on, but it's, it's stressing you out and like hurting your quality of life. Like you can mm-hmm. step out of the room and go to the kitchen <laughs> And you don't have to be the voice of your whole people. Yeah. yeah. And um, nobody is going to crucify you if an episode comes out and isn't perfect. And just don't don't take everything so personally and don't hold yourself accountable to being that one voice. Oh, my gosh. Michelle. Yeah. That's like that some good advice. I, I was think. literally at the beginning of the bull type having such a hard problem because I was the only black writer Mm -hmm. and I was having like putting all this stuff on myself about Mm -hmm. like I have to like represent the black experience and like make sure we're getting it right and Mm -hmm. it's like I'm one person so what I'm saying is that was deep as hell (laughs) and real and if you don't like what they did on the bull type this year it's Amy Jo's fault (laughs) (laughs) at me on Twitter at Amy Jo Perry (laughs) no and that is also something for people who aren't writers like know that there are people in the room who care and are trying but like there are so many it's not just even if every writer in the room is on your side, there's so many levels yes. that an episode has to go through before it actually airs mm-hmm. that you can't ever like go, oh, well, this writer was in the room and they didn't do a good enough right, job. Right. Yeah. A lot of hands touch an episode. Yes. You know? Yeah. Um, yeah. I think that's such great advice. Let's go back in time and <laughs> take it all on. So this is more of a fun question, but what show or film do you wish you'd gotten the chance to work on or would love the chance to get to work on? Hmm. <laughs> Caroline and I were just talking about this. We were, and this is, this is not a shade. This is no offense, <laughs> but we feel like if we had been alive, no, we were alive, but if we had been, <laughs> if we had been grown when sex in the city was on the yeah. air, that would have been like the easiest, most fun <laughs> show. To, I could write you an episode right now. If we're sitting here, like that would have been just like, go in, laugh, leave. <laughs> collect that money that's funny like they just have such specific voices and mm-hmm. it's just like bad puns mm-hmm. like that would have been oh a cup of tea just like oh my god that just would have been such simple fun 
Oh, man. I would say only because it's like my go-to of the kind of show that I love and wish I could create. Parks and Recreation, I feel Mm. like, was a perfect television show in that a lot of comedy is, like, mean. (laughs) And I... It feels like your show. Like, I feel like you should have written for it. So, like, Parks and Recreation did an amazing thing where it just was, like, a comedy about people that you cared about, but they're, like, kind... Mostly, not to Jerry. That's another story. I have problems with how they treated Jerry on that show. But uh, other than that, like, I don't know. There's something about it that's like, oh, that's the kind of thing I want to do. Oh, that's so good. Love it. Love it. Love it. So sweet. But listen, when Jerry did finally get a chance to speak, he bored us all to death. (laughs) Okay. Fair enough. Fuck Jerry. All right. No, Jerry was great. (laughs) Um, So this is a more serious question. I hit you with a light one. And then I'm like. Me too. Let's get into was, it. <laughs> was there ever a time you wanted to quit? And how did you pull yourself out of feeling that way? Yes, there was. For me, it was the very last job I was an assistant on, which it's, it's not a statement on the show. It just was, I had just gone through a horrible breakup. Mm-hmm. I was about to turn 29. Mm-hmm. I was still an assistant. And I just was like, it felt like a step back for me because the show was super low budget. So I was the showrunner's assistant, but I was also the writer's PA. Mm. So I was getting lunch, which I hadn't had to do for four years. So it was just like, cool. My boyfriend left me. (laughs) I'm working as an assistant doing a thing that I did five years ago when I was 23. I don't know if I can do this anymore. I don't know if I'm good enough. I wanted to die. (laughs) And my mom was like, you can always come home. You can come home. And I was like, I could go make a nice life for myself back in North Carolina. (sighs) But I just, I I couldn't. Like, Mm -hmm. it just was, this is what I wanted to do. And I put so much time and so much energy into it. And I, it just felt like I had to keep trying. And then like a month after I was seriously considering moving home, I got into the Disney ABC writing program. So it was literally right at like where I was like, I don't know. I don't know. No, I'm going to keep pushing. I'm going to keep pushing. And then it happened. So, you know, keep going, guys. Yeah. That's beautiful. That was beautiful. (laughs) Hold on for one more day. (laughs) Just one more day, (laughs) y'all. There was a moment where I kid y'all not, I think there's, a picture on my Instagram that I can scroll back and show y'all. There was one penny in my bank account at one point. I was like, oh, this is my life. I don't got no money. I'm making $600 a week. This is horrible. Oh, my god! But whatever. And now look at you. Look at you. Story editor. I never wanted to quit yet. No, I've never wanted to quit. But I would say when... And again, this I loved writing for the bold type. This mm-hmm. is not about... like This isn't a judgment of anyone or anything. But we... And then Amy, Joan, Nikita both know this. <laughs> episode five went, it was a touchy subject. It mm-hmm. went through a lot. Mm-hmm. It was the race episode. Y'all. It was the race episode. <laughs> so people, you know how people don't have opinions about that. Um, and I, it's, that was like the first time I ever felt like, well, maybe I just don't fucking care. Mm-hmm. And maybe like, mm-hmm. maybe I don't care. And maybe I don't put my heart in it. And maybe I just like, it's so stressful to try and like do it right. And, say the thing that you want to say mm-hmm. and like not you know that and then I it was it was so hard mm-hmm. to feel like we were getting it right that I was like and I was so invested in it that I was like maybe I just like don't care anymore mm-hmm. 
and that'll make me feel better. But then that actually made me feel worse. Yeah. And then, and so again, it was just like, we stuck it out for like another couple of rewrites and everybody helped. And um, I'm really happy with how the episode actually yeah. turned out. Yeah. yeah. So I, I think it's just like, yeah, when you get... It, you're invested. When you just, yeah, you don't know how to... Again, it's just like that thing that... You know, you just have to learn, like, you have to know your own limits and yeah. know, like, how to be appropriately invested in something. Yeah. I think also what was kind of, Amy Jo had said something in the room that I thought was really helpful with that situation. Or whenever you're just, like, so invested or you're like, I can't believe that this line got cut or, like, this bit of dialogue. And you had said, the audience will take it where it needs to go. The audience will have a conversation about even that sentence and they'll take it where it needs to go. And mm-hmm. I thought that was just, I was like, oh, it's not, the the burden's not completely on on the writers mm-hmm. or the producers or whoever, you know, the director. It's, once you let go of your art, it's it's out there right. and people are going to take it and do what they will. And like your the episode came out and people loved it. Yeah. And they were like, let's have a real conversation about privilege. Like, let's have this conversation. And they took it farther then maybe they would have if they had been provided with all of that right. yeah. dialogue. So it was like, oh, sometimes you have to like trust your audience a little bit yeah. more and not saying do everything they want because if you did everything they want, <laughs> the show would, it would just be Kat and Adina <laughs> having sex. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> Which is fantastic. That's a great show too. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I think, yeah. It's, but it's hard to do. And it's like when you are invested, you're like, I want to get this exactly right. I want to make sure that this dialogue is, you know, dictating everything I wanted to dictate. And sometimes you have to be like, put it out there. And the audience will be like, I picked up on that one line. And that was, that was it. Like, that was great. And I'm glad that conversation exists somewhere. Yeah. You know, so I I do think it's hard. Then you like, you feel some type of way about it. And then you see the new cut and you're like, what? Yeah. Yeah. And it's crazy when when you're like so in it and you're getting so granular about it and Mm -hmm. you're like, it's not even about necessarily being precious about your own writing. But when you're like precious about the idea behind it and you're like, if you literally change that word in the sentence, (laughs) the whole meaning changes and we will ruin. And it's like, (laughs) it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. Oh, my gosh. Um, So is there any other piece of advice that you would want to give to someone who wants to be you one day? I would say other than sticking it out and like not not comparing yourself to other people, I would say the single most important thing I did when I was an assistant and when I was still sort of honing my craft, what an asshole phrase I just (laughs) used, was to really reach out to and connect with other people at my level. Mm -hmm. So for me, taking a UCLA extension class, like, meeting people, forming a writing group with the people that I vibed with in the extension class and like staying in contact with people. Mm -hmm. And I feel like a lot of times when you say like network, people are like, "Mm, let's put on a suit and go to a mixer. But it's networking (laughs) is really like, it's just making friends. So for me, it was like literally, okay, I'm going to take these few classes at this court at at UCLA. I'm going to like make friends with other assistants because really when every single job I got after the first one, was someone who I made friends with looking out for me and saying, oh, somebody's looking for a showrunner's assistant. Someone's looking for whatever. And I did the same thing to other people. So it's literally making friends with people, genuine friendships with people who care about you and also getting them to read your work and critiquing their work will only make you better. 
So yeah, making friends and not sort of looking at people up the ladder to mentor you because that will happen if it happens Mm -hmm. and it'll come naturally if it comes, but like really using the resources of the people who are sort of doing exactly what you're doing. Yeah. And I think also you touched on something that Michelle had mentioned when she was, when you were first looking for jobs and it's like getting a job in TV is hard. It's very hard. And you would think it's like that's the title is assistant, but there are probably a hundred people trying to get the job that you want as an assistant. Yes. And I remember (laughs) I had this one messed up incident (laughs) Mm. when I was I was working as an assistant for someone and they had me make a spreadsheet of all the people who had wanted my job <laughs> what <laughs> why just so you know girl you just can so be you replaced. know and there were it was maybe probably like 75 people who had been like re- like referred for this job some of whom had gone through different writing programs some of whom you know like had maybe like staff and we're just looking for like it was a, an array of people and I was just like how did I end up with this job yeah. and like this is really crazy and it and, it, and I got the job because uh, one of the writers in in that room knew, suggested me but it really was like about relationships and even getting that first my first writer's assistant job it was like the fate of who knew who, you mm-hmm. know, it was an agent who I had met with because a dean at USC had connected me to them who was like, oh, do you want me to put your resume in the pile? But I would like, I think one thing that people need to to definitely get out of their mind is that you can go on like Indeed or whatever yeah, job site mm-hmm. and like find a job at in a, like in, in or adjacent to a room because that's just not they're all, how They're it never works. posted anywhere. Yeah. Like, if, they're, if they are posted, it's gone. Yeah. <laughs> if they're posted, it's just because they needed to, they needed right, like legally right. to post it. Yeah. But. It's hard, you know? And so to, I think when you, as an assistant, when you get into a room, it is your job to make sure that everybody there likes you yes. <laughs> because you need them. When yes. that room d- is over, you need them to be like, oh, yeah, you know, Nikita, she was cool. You should hire her on this next thing I'm on or like yeah. I suggest you to this other person or whatever because you just need those connections. And it's kind of crazy how it's a cr- the whisper network is a word of mouth. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. um, which leads to my final question, which is. Do you feel like you now have like a good handle on how this whisper network that is Hollywood runs and should be navigated for like optimal success? I know. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like as soon as I got staffed, it was, oh, cool. I fully understand how to be an assistant now. And now that I've been in a, in a room, I'm like, Cool. I fully understand how to be a staff writer. All right, Amy Jo. Now you're a story editor. So I understand fully the last thing that I just did. Oh my god, totally. I I know I can identify when people are doing it wrong. I can tell you that. Yes. When people are being too much. Mm-hmm. When they're being weird. When they won't stop reaching out and it's getting creepy. Mm-hmm. When they, it, you can tell when people are when yeah. I can tell when they're doing it wrong. Or when they're just not trying at all. Um, and I know that I did it right, exactly right for my exact circumstances, mm-hmm. which were like very specific. Mm-hmm. Um, but I nobody knows. That's that's the big secret. Is that no, nobody yeah, knows no, nobody knows. But the most important thing I think you touched on, Nikita, don't be an asshole. Yeah. Because then you'll never know. Oh, because that, everyone knows that you're an asshole. The other thing that I will say, like maybe my only... Piece, actual piece of advice is besides moisturize is <laughs> drink, um, drink water drink and a lot of water moisturize 
I love to tan, but sure, Amy Jo. Um, <laughs> when I um, <laughs> don't be afraid. So when I I had a professor in college who then ended up hiring me for mm-hmm. my first. She's the showrunner at One Day at a Time, mm-hmm. and in the interim few years after college, before the job, I worked for her a lot for free. Mm-hmm. She would direct plays and I would do stage crew for free mm-hmm. or Caroline would organize her closet, not in a creepy way, just in like a <laughs> helping out way. Mm-hmm. And I did other things to make money. Mm-hmm. And I think that there's a lot of shame. I think if you want to be in this industry and you don't have a job in this industry, you feel bad about working for Starbucks or mm-hmm. driving Uber or like painting somebody's house. But if you you need to make your money the way however you need to make your money. And if you can show the right people that you're willing to work, even if it doesn't pay, mm-hmm. I think that that's. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm the queen it. of the side. Don't, don't, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And don't ever think that you are. I mean, at a certain point, think that you're better than certain things because you are. Mm-hmm. But when you're starting out, don't think that you deserve more than you've worked for. Mm-hmm. But when you've worked for something, don't think you deserve yes, less. less. Yeah. Yeah. Such your standards. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. Thank, thank you, you for, for having, having us. It. Yes. And we'll talk to you next time. This is the Whisper Network. The Whisper Network is produced and distributed by Critical Frequency. Our producer is Amy Westervelt. Our theme music is by David Whited. This episode was recorded at Ford Studios in Los Angeles, and our sound engineer was Matthew Nelson. You can find The Whisper Network wherever you listen to podcasts. Please rate and review the podcast. We'd love to know what you think. Plus, it helps us find new listeners. Thanks for listening.